All right. Happy Friday, everyone. And I hope you have had a fantastic week and are already getting ready for the weekend. We are back here with another episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning tech while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered. So today I'm joined by Ryan Austin, who is making the magic happen with Synapse. Huh. See, I took that from your LinkedIn, by the way. Huh. Uh, and we're going to be talking about streamlining the intake process for L&D, things like that. And by the way, Ryan Austin, for some reason, that music is very fitting. I get like this WWE feel whenever I say your name. So um, hope for those of you who are just complete redirect there. But anyway, for those of you who are just joining us live, go ahead, give us a thumbs up, share the post, tag in somebody who would benefit from the conversation while we're getting started. And while you're at it, if you would, Comment in and let us know where you're joining from. Ryan, where are you in the world today? Yeah, I'm calling from uh, Toronto, Ontario. Okay. So you're north up, in Canada. You're up north, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say that, though. You, I, I don't think in our conversations I've ever heard you say A. Hey, do you? Say uh, it, dep it depends which province you're from. Okay. Um, you, you'll get that from a lot of different people if you go into different provinces, for sure. Okay. Well, my, my aunt is from, she's from British, she's from BC, and she says A all the time. So I don't know if, if maybe that's a province where they say it. Not in Toronto, <laughs> though. <laughs> so I'm in Waukesha, as always. Um, real quick, before we get into the question of the week, real quick reminder. So last Sunday and Tuesday, I posted something very mysterious about something that's coming and asking for help. Uh, I asked you all delivered for sure. Um, so I'm actually going to have to be closing the application uh, at the end of today. So there's still time if you'd like to be part of it. That's about all I can say. Uh, if you want more details, look back at my post from this week. So that has nothing to do with today's episode, but I wanted to at least cut that off so people weren't surprised when the app closed. All right. Question of the day has nothing to do with what we'll be talking about, Ryan, and I'm looking forward to hearing your answer. Those of you who are watching, you can play along, add your answers in the comments. But what is something that people often assume about you that is not true? Ooh. Uh, I would say that uh, I'm an account executive or a salesperson at Synapse. Okay. <laughs> so in, in what scenario does this pop up? Like you're at the pub or something like that and people go, oh, you're an AE? Or like when you co contact people? Well, generally at work because I still I still spend some time um, it, with our sales team and I'll do some calls with clients or prospective clients and whatnot. So um, they make the assumption that um, I'm an account executive or a learning solutions consultant, as we call it, and uh, and they're talking to the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> do you just let people go with it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you don't you don't stop them. Nah, I don't have a title. I always tell my team that I'm whatever you need me to be. Okay, okay, okay. Well, actually, what's funny about that answer is it it's you'll see there's actually a relation to what mine is going to be. Okay, so mine is people assume all the time I go by Chris all the time, right? They're like, oh, hey, Chris. And I actually go by Christopher. I don't go by Chris. Oh. And what's interesting, so probably maybe a similar reason for you is I don't like to correct people publicly. I'm getting a little better at it, but I don't like to because there's no way when you go by the long version of your name to not sound like a pompous jerk when you correct, <laughs> right? You're the short version. Hey, Christopher, you're like, yeah, I'm Chris. You're cool. 
Hey, Chris. Oh, it's Christopher. You're, you're uptight, right? You're, you're hoity toity. And I'm not at all. So I'm like, well, I'll, it's fine. I'll just let it go. But anyway, sounds similar with the CEO. You don't want to be like, I'm not the account executive. I'm actually the CEO. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, it, it, again, the title doesn't really matter, but at the same time, it's always fun when they're, when they talk about, you know, so how long have you been in sales and things like that? <laughs> you're like, well, it's kind of an irrelevant question, but okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, so we're today we're talking about, you know, the title was operationalizing the learning process. I think when we first met and we're talking about this, as we got into what Synapse did, you know, we, we really talked about kind of the and what we'll dig into, right, that front end and, and how do you actually streamline all this stuff to make sure you're working on the right things. But rather than me trying to articulate it, when people say, what is Synapse? How do you answer that question? Like, how do you describe it? Yeah, so we actually um, tag ourselves uh, as uh, one of two things. Um, learning design system is what a lot of uh, okay. some of the analysts have started to call us, which is interesting. Um, but internally, we'll talk to people as learning and development productivity software. Okay. And, um, and really explain how we help them do three things. Um, manage the intake process. So... Being, being able to manage requests from their business partners in a, a consistent way. So it's not ad hoc, it's organized, uh, it scales. Yeah. Um, project prioritization and capacity planning, being able to understand supply and demand and articulate to stakeholders when they just have too much work and um, they either need resources or they need to make trade-offs. And then uh, content design um, with stakeholders and SMEs and whoever. And um, we've kind of brought the three things together into one platform so you can actually track all the data and whatnot. Okay. It's interesting that the category that some have assigned it is, what was the first one you said, like design? A learning design system. For some reason, learning, uh, you know, uh, analysts, professionals, they love the, They love to the, put it in a box. Yeah. So, you know, you have learning management systems, you have learning content management systems, and now you have a learning design system. See, but to me, when I hear learning design system, and maybe this is just me, right, my head goes to the actual authoring, right, creation mm -hmm. tools, the authoring tools, and that's not what Synapse is, correct? Yeah, I mean, we have one output, which is... Uh, um, as part of the design side of our platform, the uh, the ability to collaborate, storyboard, prototype, a lot of our clients will look at these prototypes and be like, hey, for what this need is, uh, this particular need, micro learning or, you know, some sort of rapid deliverable, uh, they'll say this is good enough. So we do have the ability for okay. them to uh, export it in SCORM, upload it to their LMS, but it's flexible enough so that if they're using their authoring tools, they can do that as well. Okay. So the authoring component or the piece that you technically could author is more of, it's designed to be this storyboarding kind of like collaboration piece. But then if you end up saying like, hey, this is really ultimately what we needed, you could export that out and use that as the actual content itself. So I guess yep. technically... See, this is where these categories get really confusing, right? Because I don't, there's not very many tools that are like, we do this one thing and we fit very nicely into this one box. Okay. Yeah. 
So let's talk the problem statement first, because we'll unpack, I think, a little bit more what this is. But I was excited when we talked about it, because I do think this is a big opportunity area. But I'm curious on your end, when you you, know, you started this thing, what were you seeing in the space that you said, you know what, this is a problem and I think I think we can do better? Yeah, well, it stemmed um, from me experience, experiencing this problem. Um, so I, I headed up learning and development for a company called World Trade Group years ago um, and um, in working with subject matter experts, trying to capture knowledge, design into programs, understanding needs of customers, uh, being able to prioritize. It was just a mess. Like we were using email at the time for requests, you know, Excel spreadsheets for uh, project planning and whatnot. Uh, I mean, this was probably eight years ago or so. Okay. Um, we were meeting in person with the SMEs, you know, so it, it was kind of all over the place. And to make matters worse, we were um, getting our content accredited by ISET uh, for continuing education. So we need to follow this vigorous process to like show that we're meeting all these standards. And it was just so much time wasted. It was really inefficient. And I'm like, there, there has to be a better way. So talk to I said, I'm like, who has software to help with this? Or like, oh, we, we, we don't know um, anybody who has that. Let us know if you know. So then we started talking to different people in the industry and, um, and different learning teams. And they had the problem, too. So I said, Same you know problem. what? The, this is a problem I think we can solve. And um, given my uh, technology background from previous companies, I said, let, let, let's do it. And that, that's kind of how this idea spun up. Um, okay. Took a lot longer than we thought. You know, who would have known that uh, making software flexible enough <laughs> to replace email and paper and, you know, Excel spreadsheets. So uh, there was a reason why somebody hadn't done it quite yet. And one of the reasons may have been it wasn't quite as easy to spin up as pop as you thought. Yeah, well, I, and, and it's very expensive. I mean, we've invested millions of dollars into this technology already, and we're fortunate to have very strong um, institutional um, investors behind us. But okay. um, I think, you know, a while back, the closest probably that your audience would be familiar with would be a company called Designer's Edge. Okay, um, I from, remember it. Yeah, but, you know, technology just wasn't where it is today. Yeah. It wasn't as collaborative. So I feel like the idea has always been there, but technology hasn't necessarily been that flexible. Yeah. And um, and so the time is more fit for this uh, than ever, in my opinion, to actually solve this front-end problem for learning development teams. Well, I'm sure COVID had to have boosted this as well then, to some degree, to actually have this need to say, you may have been cobbling together Right. Like you said, we, we kind of had our way of doing it and it was working sort of. Um, but now that kind of blew things up. Did that did that have an impact? I guess I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. Do you know, it's interesting and a little off topic to what we're talking about today. But we I was fortunate to be invited to the CHRO um, series and Josh Burson was presenting. There was only eight of us on in, in this virtual workshop. Um, and um, he summarized it very well. You know, when the pandemic happened, people reacted like, oh, no, there's no more instructional led training. We yeah. got to go buy 100 Zoom licenses or, you know, 
uh, WebEx licenses or whatnot. So companies that offered virtual um, webinar software or whatnot kind of blew up, right? They yep. saw acceleration. And then the next phase was more transformative where it was uh, like, um, oh, wow, now we need to train people on um, working from home. And now we have to train people how to work safely back at work. And you know, with the very important Black Lives Matter movement, now we need to train people on inclusion and diversity. So companies like LinkedIn Learning, Coursera, uh, Udemy, companies who prepackage and offer content off yep. the shelf, they had acceleration. And we're still in that They're phase, big, in my yeah. opinion, right? We're still at the back end of that phase. The next phase is the the longer standing phase, digital transformation. Yep. Like the reality is that um, not everybody's going back to work. A lot of companies, uh, especially tech companies, said we're never going back to work. Um, you can't just make requests ad hoc by walking by the training person in the hallway anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, collaboration is extremely important. And of course you have tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams, which are great, but they're not solving the same collaborative really problems. Well, they weren't yeah. really designed for, I, I feel like L&D is a really unique field and it's it's misunderstood, I think, by a lot of different people. And you know, there there are some, I'm not a big fan of saying like, oh, well, we're unique, but there are some really unique things that are in L&D that, like you said, you can't just pick up some off the shelf tool and say, well, this will work. For I mean, again, could you? Maybe, but it's going to be the same as, say, doing the, okay, well, we have an Excel spreadsheet and we use all this, right? You're kind of duct tape. You're MacGyvering a solution versus having something that actually optimizes it. You got it. So like that's one of our advantages is that we're purpose built for L&D. So what's happening now with digital transformation, people are, are starting to realize like, hey, we can't do things how we're doing it before. We need to be working more agile, doing agile learning and more importantly, agile learning development. And, you know, some people know how to do that. Some people have been doing it. Some people are learning and talking about it and still trying to figure out how does that really work. Um, and what's interesting, and I think this is great, we're starting to see people adopt these uh, work um, workflow technologies or yeah. workload technologies like Asana or Jira, which is meant for engineering software teams. I know, right? You're, I, you're seeing a lot of these things blow up. Yeah, Monday.com. Oh, things like that. Yep. They work well, but they don't cover the full L&D process because these are tools that are meant for all projects across the organization. Yes. And like you said, L&D has very specific things to deal with, like uh, how do we standardize adult learning principles so that we have quality learning and teach right. people how to do these things, but in a more digital, streamlined yep. way. And so by Synapse being purpose-built to solve these problems, we, we can invest money and R&D into these things so into that, exactly, thing. right. Yep. Well, so there's two things that you hit on. And I think one, <laughs> the second one's gonna be a question that I think we'll be able to unpack. So so Brian, uh, don't worry, I'm, I'm about to hit this one. But I think Josh's point is, is spot on. I think what's interesting is a lot of people talk about COVID as though it started something. And I look at it more as it accelerated it, right? Most of this stuff, we've been saying this for a long time that this is coming. And I think 
yes, we, we've now boosted it. And you did see that, that trend, right? Everybody went into firefighting mode, at least the folks who weren't already there. Um, I like to say we were COVID proof, but you know, the folks that were there, they, they went through this panic phase then it was this, this content phase. And I do think you're right. This digital transformation is now the sustainability. Cause I don't think everybody took that as seriously at first. Cause I think the thought was, well, COVID hit a couple of weeks are going to go by and we're going to go back. <laughs> yeah. And that has not been the case for anybody who has been living through 2020. In fact, it seems to continue just to, keep going. Um, so with that one, though, a question that Brian asked, and actually, I can say, you know, having led L&D teams, I've, I've had to tackle this with teams, is that a lot of times there's pushback when we talk about, hey, let's create a standard process for L&D, or let's try and streamline what this is. A lot of times L&D draws creative, creative folks, people who are thinking creatively, it requires a lot of creativity. And sometimes process can feel very stifling to say, well, when we try and operationalize this, we lose the creativity. Mm -hmm. I personally don't see it doing that, but I think it's the way you apply it. So how do you deal with people when you know they're running into this and they're like, well, we, we get it, but at the same time, we don't want to over-index and now we just become a manufacturing plant where we're just intake we do a thing, we kick it out the other side, and it's just moving through. Yeah, so I, I think a little bit differently. Operationalizing means, in my opinion, like how do you leverage, how do you streamline some of these administrative tasks that come with these roles, or even in some cases automate them, so that um, learning people are actually, learning professionals are act actually being advisors and consultants to the business. Like, um, you know, without naming the, the company, uh, there's this company that we're talking to, there's two L&D managers and a VP of L&D. And the L&D managers are, um, they're, they're writing content in uh, Captivate, for example, and, you know, trying to make it look pretty. And we're talking to them and we're like, do the learners really care how pretty it looks? Like, is the, is the content relevant to them? Is it solving a business problem for them? They're like, for this one, yes. And we're like, so think about when, when we're learning, we're going to Google, we're Googling things, we're reading articles, we're watching short videos. Um, like, do we, do you, when, when you have a problem and you search to, for information to solve that problem. Um, do you really care what it looks like? And, and she was like, no. And then, but then they have some other content that yep. they're forcing people into because it's compliance driven. And for that, you got to get creative. Like, how do we make the information sticky? Because um, if I'm forcing you and you have no alignment to wanting to learn it, there's nothing in it for you. Um, but you, your company's telling you need to do it because they need to tick the compliance box, et cetera. Well, then for sure, like, might as well make it fun or try and come up with a strategy or solution so that mitigate, it does become the pain a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So, but, um, so I look at this to answer the question, um, operate to opera, uh, to, to streamline the processes and to automate them, but not take away the creativity side of things. So, you know, we were careful in designing our software to be able to do that so that if some people really need things rapidly, they have more templated options yeah. that they could do, but um, 
giving the ability to be flexible enough. So if you want to use Articulate, you want to use Captivate, you want to use Venn or any of these other softwares, you can still do that and upload it as a deliverable. But um, yeah. I think thinking through the process and how you remove bottlenecks, how you remove administrative tasks so that your people who are one of your best assets are teaching other people yeah. about learning strategy and how this can all work. That's where they're best served their time, not writing content, but teaching other people to write content and um, mentoring them to do it yeah. and, and whatnot. Well, it's it's about focusing on the higher order things. And I think one of the things you hit on there that, because I've, I've run into that too, right? Where it's, where it's, well, I feel like this is stifling my ability to be creative, right? Even you start talking about templates, you run into the same thing. And I think I always look at things as like, there's the iron triangle, which is what you're getting at, right? It's like, well, mm -hmm. how fast do we need to do it? Quality, like what is the problem we're trying to solve and where do we want to index within the iron triangle of what we can do and what's most important. But I think what you're talking about with optimizing the process is that it's a similar pushback you hear to automation, right? Where mm -hmm. people are, you know, well, I don't, automation takes away from what I do. And I would say, no, it doesn't. So you know, to the creativity piece, optimizing your L&D process doesn't necessarily remove any of the creativity from it. It actually can open the door to do more of it because you're not spending your time on these mundane tasks, the inefficiency you described in the beginning, right? You're, well, we got to fill out this Excel sheet and then we got to put it on SharePoint and, and run over it. That's time wasted that you could be investing in being more creative, improving the UX. Like, what are you doing to do that kind of stuff? That's that's my take on it. Mm -hmm. And there's different roles too on the team, right? So somebody True. who is create being the has the creative aspects is probably a designer, um, learning experience designer, or, or whatnot on on the team. And uh, there might be other people like learning consultants who are managing the intake process. But ultimately. I think it comes down, especially during this time, because of what's happened with COVID and how people are working more dispersed or remotely or, you know, is alignment. Yeah. And and you shouldn't have to work so hard to pass information from part or process to process. It should be seamless. Yep. And that's what I mean, right? It's so if you're- the handoff between the steps, because it is, yeah. I mean, L&D is a process. That's the thing. You look at it, it is a supply chain in many regards. And where that input is coming from, you know, what are we actually trying to solve? What are the, what are the intakes? Who's the audience? What is the overall problem? Handing that off to a design team to say, now let's create a solution for that. There's a lot of waste oftentimes in that handoff. And yeah. also, I don't, I mean, if, if somebody's watching and they're this person, let me know. But I don't know anybody who has ever said, you know what I really love doing is searching a hundred different places to try and bring in all the feedback on the design of something to try and fix it, right? That's, that's not that's exactly it. we're super excited about. And we're only talking right now about new newer requests, right? Like right. What, what about inventory management? So if you're getting requests three, four years from now, like you want to be able to 
at a click of a button or a quick search, be able to see anything that's ever had similar keywords, or yeah. you can click into it, see who's worked on it, see what tasks were focused on, what content is linked to that, so that you can start reusing and repurposing stuff too, right? Yeah. Like if people leave, you should still be able, if somebody leaves the company. some insight into what, well, and what's interesting, I actually made a post about it this week and it, it opened up a dialogue where, right? Sometimes it's like, well, that stuff from four years ago was, it's irrelevant or it's, it's garbage now. We wouldn't want to use it. We'd rather start from scratch. <laughs> and my response to that is, Maybe you still would, but knowing it was there and having some insight into what it was or where it came from, so at least you can learn from what it was. And yeah, maybe you still end up starting from scratch, but at least you're making an informed decision on that versus assuming you need to start from scratch when maybe you don't. Yeah. Yeah. And there's bits and pieces that you'll be able to pull, right? So, right. So there's all of knowing who the people were they worked with or what function. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that, you know, having that tribal knowledge, which that's, I think, one of the problems that you're talking about addressing is so often in our functions, all this stuff is tribal knowledge. It's based on, you know, who knew what, who was involved in the project at the time, who was in the meeting that, you know, was there. And now that's all gone if somebody leaves or just didn't communicate. Yeah. There you got it. So, I mean, we're talking about all the problems that come up in the front end side yeah. of the learning development process. As you mentioned, it's like a supply chain. Um, downstream, and, and I'm happy to actually yeah, have a slide. Up. You, you've got a visual that kind of highlights how this fits in. Yeah, so. Um, Here we go. Yeah, if you pull that up. So. Downstream, I mean, we have hundreds of vendors and tools for authoring and for learning management systems. They're purpose built to solve the problem set. So what amazed us is that there is no purpose built solutions to manage the supply chain part of, of learning yep. development, right? So people Which has are- dire consequences, by the way, right? When you, <laughs> when you make mistakes up here, the trickle down effect just continues to accelerate and 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 that's why learning teams often say we have too many requests not enough resources but you need to also think about how do we optimize how we work especially in this time of digital transformation so that we are streamlined we are able to measure capacity um, and if you do this part properly, you can have, you don't need to have data analysts exporting spreadsheets from all these different areas, trying to create these models that you can only run monthly. You can actually run real-time reports to see like measure supply and demand. Are we taking on too much? How do we reprioritize things that might be more important than things we we're currently working on? Um, and more importantly, how do we visually show these business cases to stakeholders to show them the value we're creating in the organization. And that comes from intake. If you have people saying, we need help here, but you structure it in a way like, what value will this create for the organization? You know, and they fill it in and then you prioritize that and you run it, you can actually go back to those business customers or business partners and and build a business case on like what value we've created here yeah. right there were there was one we were talking to with somebody about um uh one of our advisors i think you've had him on your show is uh 
um, Area 9 learning, Nikal, yeah. right? Yep. So he's on our advisory board. And I think he, he was telling me about a customer story about uh, an airline company that uh, needed to reduce the, the support tickets or something like that. So, okay. you know, being able to measure before and after, um, that's learning impact, right? So, so being, and, and, and so if you tie all this data together, it doesn't need to be that hard. Like you, you can spit out reports that do that for you and then you can use that to build your business cases and also build your your budget your cases for budgets if, yeah. if you're able to show we have too many requests here's the volume of stuff exactly, exactly right then yeah. then then now you can sit down with a stakeholder and say here's everything we're working on here's everything that we're getting requested to work on we can kick stuff back to the business partners we can hire our vendors but ultimately you know we think we need more budget and this is if if you give us it, the data is, to support what, it exactly right so and this is how we'll, we'll impact the organization what you're talking about right I, it, it it's one of these problems i've heard probably my entire career in the industry right we, we often talk about wanting to have a seat at the table we want to be a strategic business partner um, things like that but we don't necessarily always act and operate in that manner, right? When when you look at businesses and, and the way business makes decisions, it's around, well, what really, you know, are the things we're setting out to do? What type of resources? How do we project? How do we forecast what that is so that we can do resource planning and, and budget planning around that versus kind of waiting until things hit us and then scramble to figure out, you know, okay, well, what do we do? And then and then it can actually help us have a more business focused conversation and showcase, well, and here's what you're going to get for that. I need more budget or I need more resources because our current volume is this. These are the problems we're solving. We want to go 20% more than that next year to do that. We're actually going to have to do this to quantify it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, but it's, it's hard to, to, to get that data when you're working in silos in these different parts. Yeah. And, and really, this needs to be together. So when you when you bring it together, uh, as you mentioned, like that, that that's when the magic happens, right? <laughs> I took that my, from your LinkedIn, right? Well, that's that, that's why I talk headline, about it. Like that's why I talk happen. about it. So not yeah. only are you like a WWE fighter, you're also a magician. Do you know what's funny? I have an uncle, and his name's Steve Austin. <laughs> See, I wasn't that far off. <laughs> no, no. My dad actually looks like a wrestler. He's a like six foot one, like a big guy, like Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a short guy, so I don't know what happened to me. <laughs> you got the you got the you know stocky look though, so you could you could pull it off. You could pull yeah. it off. Anyway, yeah. we are way off target now. But so I mean, so here's the thing though. I'm curious as you interact with people on this. What we talked a little bit about how the tech has matured. I am curious what has matured a little bit about it that has now made this more feasible. So I'm going to pull this down and we'll, if there's some other slides we can talk, but I'm curious, like what you know, you've made some heavy investments into this. How has the tech really moved to help enable it? Yeah. So, um, I think, I think it stems back from when, um, Trello first kind of came yeah. to fruition right with the concepts of kanban boards and and yep. whatnot um and and just looking at project management altogether in a, a much easier way okay. and then you had companies like slack come out and now microsoft teams which is making an amazing impact in enterprise but um um 
with collaboration and the concept of like, you okay. know, replacing email. Uh, you shouldn't have to email back and forth 15 yeah. times to have a quick conversation, right? So, so um, I think a lot of enterprise SaaS applications have adopted these types of ideas and concepts, but tweak them in a way to solve specific problem sets. Okay. So you're starting to see software solutions that solve real problems for specific things, right? And every, Christy, our CMO, she always says, everybody, you don't buy software unless you're trying to save time and money. So right. time and money shouldn't be the real value add. So what, what else does the software do, right? So in Synapse, it's about doubling capacity, doubling productivity of your team, taking yeah. all these administrative elements out of it and doing it in a way that's simple, similar to tools that you already use and love, but purpose-built. Um, and I, I can walk you through a couple slides if you're interested. Yeah, well, to... and the other thing too, before we before we pull that up, well, actually, no, let's let's pull this up and let's let's talk about <clears throat> this a little bit because I think it is interesting that you bring this up because you I have seen, and this was pre-COVID, but I think very recently the things you've hit on have exploded, right? This whole digital collaboration, how do we do this in this new world? You know, the seamless, the seamlessness of that and actually bringing project management and agility to life in some ways in a digital way versus the way it was done before. So I'm curious, what are we looking at? Yeah. So um, this is just a planning board, for example, in Synapse. Um, everybody's familiar with Kanban boards. You see them a lot in a lot of applications. But again, purpose-built, right? So in Synapse, when you have requests come in, they come into your board, and then that way you can move them and convert them into projects or whatnot. But okay. when you flip open the cards, you can see that there's very relevant things to instructional design or to requests, and you can manage these things from in here as well, bring in your team, right? But okay, then- so it's designed around the L&D piece versus just, I mean, cause yeah, you can, you can do some of this stuff, but some of our needs are unique. Yeah, but this this already helps to start solving the whole request submission, the whole inventory management challenges, the whole who's working on what, getting that visibility and alignment, um, and and structuring it into whatever process you follow, whether it's SAM, Addy, you know, the, these can be customized to your process so you can move it. Now, the request side is really interesting because we give free software to your business partners, to your requesters. Okay. So um, um, they can basically, and it's branded to, to them. We just have the logo here uh, for the time being. Uh, so for, this, for the, this. this would be the actual like subject matter business partner experience that we're looking at now. Yeah, so it works off of a deep link that's, um, you know, you can embed it anywhere. It works with single sign-on, et cetera, for a, a good user experience. But when they click on it, you know, think of it in the flow of work. So sometimes we're, we say, you know, if you want everybody to fill out requests, which is not generally what happens, you can put in your LMS. If you're trying to get people to come more to your LMS, you can put it in a Slack channel, you can put in your email signature, um, or if it's specific business partners, just send them the link and tell them to bookmark it and say, when you have a request, click here. But it takes yeah. them to a request portal um, and it's two-way. You can actually have two-way communications um, to do actual discovery. Okay, and it so also- It's a one-way form that then's coming and feeding in. Exactly. And uh, what's 
awesome about it is as LND starts to move it in their queue and through you know their stages, it notifies that business partner. Oh, so you, they can actually follow the progress of their request. You got it. So that way you have true transparency and visibility into the partnerships together, right? So that's kind of the request side. Um, and then the content side is that whole, it's kind of like a TurboTax way of designing and storyboarding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Use templates to uh, standardize workflows and the workflows guide people to design content. Um, but again, if you're worried about creativity, you can still have certain designers be able to upload their own stuff using a different tool so that you're not taking away that creativity, but you're still operationing. Uh, Whatever. I, I made it as an extremely different, difficult Seriously. word today so that you would trip like that. So you're welcome. Operate operationalizing. There we go. <laughs> um, the processes, right? And so, um, got so, it. Uh, so if they are doing some of this content gathering or they have their own storyboard tool that they prefer to use for that, the designer can actually pop that in there for the subject matter or business stakeholder look. It's not necessarily you have to use this for doing that, but use this to kind of bring it together. Yeah, so it depends how much you want to standardize, right? Okay. And that way it fits into your culture too. If you want to go further, which a lot of our clients do, then um, it, you can start storyboarding it like this. And what's cool is as you're adding and storyboarding assets, we're building this asset library in the background. Right. So okay. all these things become searchable and reusable. So, so it's almost to some degree, almost populating an LCMS type capability where these assets are now usable for other things. Correct. Very, very lightweight. It's just about because it's just storyboarding. Most people don't yeah. actually go full to production, but you can at the same time. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. And then um, giving you reporting capabilities again, because this is all put together, you can start managing and seeing where all the intake comes in from specific time places and supply and demand like you know are you over capacity or under capacity so in the month of june you know there's no more availability so now you understand okay we have to make trade-offs where can we make trade-offs things like so that so you can start to even start seeing the trends cuz i mean we all see this right different different quarters different months depending on what's going on you kind of know like hey I'm just thinking as an example, right? Quarter close is coming. The business is super busy. They're not necessarily focused on this. So we know that's a dip, but that doesn't mean we should quick try and make things up because we know beginning of the quarter, it picks right back up. And if we do too much, we're actually going to be over capacity. Exactly. And visualizing this in very simple way, L&D is already busy. Things change daily. Um, so you, you, you just need to get this stuff on the fly. And so this isn't meant to be a sales pitch for Synapse. It's just easier to, no. to show you visually how we recommend doing it and how we systemize it and the processes in one place. But um, you know, we, we've seen some people try to make shift using different tools um, and, well, and whatnot. I mean, that's the point of the show, right? I mean, it's it's not a sales pitch, but the reality is this stuff, regardless of how you're pulling it off, is critical. And I And I do feel like it's a big gap in our industry because we are trying to cobble it together or or worse, not doing anything with it, which is even more dangerous, because then how do you know what you're working on and prioritization, all this other good stuff. So I think it is valuable to, right, 
figure this out regardless of what you end up doing. It's an important piece. Yeah, it's just about um, really just figuring out how do you streamline these parts together? Um, how do you empower your people to focus on more strategic elements that will uh, provide the business value and less administrative tasks? And how, how, how do you get this all working together? So it, it does become an engine, um, not to take away from anything creative or whatnot, but again, no. to just double, triple capacity um, by removing bottlenecks. And it, remember, you're already doing it with authoring. You're already doing it with your learning management systems or your out learning experience platforms. So it's just about figuring out how to do it on the front end, not yeah. just the back end. Well, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that I thought this was such an important topic is a lot of times we get focused on the, right, because cleaning up your operations and your process, that's not like the fun whiz bang, right, like stuff to talk about necessarily. Um, you know, that's not the the pretty user experience kind of end design stuff that a lot of people like to focus their attention on. But the reality is, this is what we were talking about earlier, is the fact that the downstream effect of not doing this well can be catastrophic, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it can be absolutely catastrophic to an L&D organization because like, this, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, ends up resulting in massive impacts to resources, budget, things like that, when you can't quantify, well, what are we working on? Why? You know, what, what is the amount of time and effort that's going into this? What value are we getting out of that? If that's broken on the front end, you're just going to continue to break more pieces down the supply chain and end up with a broken product at the end. So I think that's where, you know, sometimes it's easy to overlook because we're caught up with some of the other more <coughs> fun kind of end stuff versus cleaning up, uh, cleaning up the front. Yeah. And think about, um, you know, by not having that visibility or alignment because you, you can't see into the process, you might not even know when it's broken and people are continuing to work. Right. So. <laughs> and work really hard, right? That's the other thing. You're putting a lot of time and energy into things. You may not even realize you're bro working on something that's broken. Yeah. Ima imagine being a designer, creating content, and then you think it's finished and you go to show it and like, it's not truly aligned to the need, but you right. didn't have full visibility into the need. It's, you know, there's broken telephone along the way that's demotivating to that person. Like they, they probably did their job well and they're kind of throwing their hands up. Like, well, yeah. you know, well, there's what, nothing what worse I than you put all this effort, you've made this thing that you think is exactly on target and then you bring it in front and it just gets, I've been there. It gets ripped to shreds and you have no insight into why cuz you're operating off the information that you have. That's yeah. It's not a fun conversation to have. No, and it's an important job. I mean, learn us learning professionals um like we're we're seeing some amazing content from our clients being produced. You know, we work with the National Firefighters Council, for example, and we've seen like content around um, like really important stuff for firefighters and emotional behaviors and things like that. And we're like, it's just really impactful. And then we see things that have are extreme that are being produced that are extremely helpful to companies during this time of COVID, et cetera. Right. So um, this is important work and it's about empowering people so that you, you can just get it done the first time, get it right, remove the bottlenecks and be as efficient as you can. And that more important than anything um, is that, um, that, 
they're not going to have burnout, right? Yeah. Like we're we're in a time right now, and uh, this is a true statement. Every learning department I talk to is saying we have more work. And by the way, our budget in 2021 is extremely reduced, yep. but the work expectations, they're like, it's how not, are we going to do this? What are we going to do about it? Yeah. So it's actually driving us to, yeah. And I think efficiency is the only way we look at it. Um, so, so on this one, I do a question from Brian again, I want to bring up, uh, sure. because I do want to talk about the fact that we've talked about the importance. And I think in general, when I've had these conversations, you get a lot of head nodding, right? Like, yeah, I agree. And yet so often it doesn't happen, right? We don't move from, from concept to action and saying, yes, let's operationalize this stuff. Let's be more efficient. Let's get on process. So two things, you know, one, one question from Brian had to do with right on this intake process, asking people to fill in this content, what does, what kind of content is it gathering along the way? And one question I have, and I'm curious your take on this, because I've had this before where I've operationalized it. And one of the challenges or pushbacks I'll get is, well, people don't want to fill things out. And my perspective is, if they can't take the time to fill something out, we're not going to take the time to leverage our resources to do something for it, right? There has to be some give and take along the way. But I am curious to Brian's question, what does that intake look like? Is that customizable? What kind of things are you actually asking from people? And does it change along the way? Because what we need from people will evolve as you go. Yeah, so, um, and uh, I'm happy to share some links to some content. So we have an intake template okay. that you, you can look at. Um, we have an ebook on training intake best practices. And we also have um, um, a really interesting, I'm trying to remember the, the name of it, but it's a, basically a questionnaire you can fill out that tells you it's a rating system to tell you where you are on your intake journey. So happy to share those three things um, with Brian and or your, your audience. Um, and, yes, uh, send me the links and any links you have. I'll put in um, I'll put in the blog post so that people can actually take a look at this stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, for people who are curious or like, I'd like to kind of see what this looks like or how does it actually, what's the experience like? Yeah, great. We can we can do that. We have a lot of toolkits about working with SMEs, um, you know, even getting um, in, investment for learning technology during this time. So there's a lot of cool stuff that we, that we do that we think is helpful that we're, okay. we're happy to share. It's free resources. Um, and uh, yeah, so to, to answer Brian's question. By the way, <laughs> Brian, Brian is very happy with that one. So Brian, keep an eye out on the blog page. I'll I'll put it there. Um, so but what are some of the things that, you know, let's say somebody says, hey, all right, let's, I get it. You know, we need to, we need to move from talking about improving our process or efficiency. We need to do this. I've seen these things spin up and then burn out pretty quick. How do you see people who really lean into it and carry this forward? How do they actually kind of keep and maintain it? Although personally, it feels like once you start seeing it and you get used to it, you kind of don't go back. But I'm curious if you run into any of that. Yeah, I mean, always change is hard, right? So, um, and and just to backstep to talk about qu real quick about the request, like people don't fill it out, right? I, I, I think it comes down to communication and transparency. Yeah. Somebody doesn't understand why they're filling it out. Good point. Right? So, so even on your form, if you say, look, we know nobody likes filling out forms, but by filling this out, it will kick off the process so that we can evaluate it, come back to you with questions. So together we can design 
the best solution possible to get this, which was that value statement, then more people are going to fill it out, right? So, so it's just about communication and alignment on that one. And then, um, you know, what I would say about the other part is don't try and think too far ahead, piece by piece, right? There's a, a book um, that uh, it's not a business book. It's kind of like this, I wouldn't even call it a spiritual book, but it's called The Power of Now. Okay. And long story short, like don't stress over things you can't control okay. and yeah. just look, look at what the next think of stairs, right? Just focus on that first step. And if you keep doing that, right, you're going to be at the top steps up and being like, Oh, how are we going to get to the 10th step? Yeah. So in front of the other, so the first part is that whole intake, right? So that you can better align to your customers, their needs, et cetera. So think about solving that part first and then after that it's gonna naturally it's like okay now now we solve that it's great we have all these requests so how do we manage them so now you're getting into project prioritization naturally and you have to figure out that part right yep. and that will also tie into like team capacity because you want to think about your team not overtake or or say no at the same time to customers so there's a balance in a way to think about solving that part of it and and then design so there's different ways that you can solve these things. And again, we have a lot of content on this, but um, you know, yeah. my advice would be don't think about the 10 steps, think about each step. And before you know it, you're, you, you would have climbed the whole staircase. I think it's a really, it's a really good point. Cause I think you do see that. And not just with L and D intake process, you see this with a lot of things. We overwhelm ourselves with all of the things. So then we just don't ever start anywhere instead of saying, let's start, putting one foot in front of the other. And then naturally, then you take two steps, three steps. I think the other thing too, though, that uh, is important, and I'm curious your take on this is where I've seen this, it is a balancing act a little bit, right? You can't over index where I've seen it go cold is where when people start creating a process, it's a very cold, non-collaborative process, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Here, fill out this form. It goes into a black hole. There's no communication, and people, and so people are like, "Well, there's no value in filling out this form because I'm not feeling like that's there." Having an automated technology process that allows your platform, that allows you to have more efficiency, have more of this. It doesn't mean you don't talk to these people, or you don't work with them, or you never, you know, jump on Zoom and and have a quick conversation with them. Like that exactly. Away, you don't be like, well, now we have this form. Fill out the form, and I won't talk to you ever again. Yeah, exactly. I've seen it go south as people just go way too far, and then yeah, it is gonna fail. What what I do internally, right? Because we have an office in Mexico, for example, um, and uh, sometimes we have different holiday schedules, etc. So um, what I do is when an intake comes in. I'll jump, I'll schedule a Zoom meeting and we'll review it on Zoom using screen share and collaborate on the form. And and then I'll just tag people using the common feature saying, okay, your takeaways are to do this, this, and this. I've tagged you on it. Um, like, you know, have it done within two days type of thing. And then the, they have the reminder there, but we're not taking the human element out of yes. it. Um, it. I think that's important, you know. 
that's, that's a partnership. Requester and L&D, that's a partnership. So would you ever go to your partner and uh, just try and eliminate the communication? <laughs> we, we all know where that will lead, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Anthony, just fill in this, right. fill in this form. It doesn't well in L&D <laughs> or anywhere else in life. So yeah. I think that is an important clarification and an important point to make because that's where it can go south, right? When you completely strip the human element out, of course you're going to piss off your stakeholders if they're used to talking to you and working through this and now you just go don't don't talk to me fill out this fill out this form that's not going to that's not going to go well they're also very smart people they're going to see that you're you're keeping the human touch alive and you're optimizing efficiency which and that means that you're saving their time right so well and if anything going back to what we talked about before with efficiency is this allows you to spend more time on that higher order stuff, mm -hmm. right? So instead of spending all this time chasing around emails and pulling this together, you can be spending that time having more impactful conversations with the people, getting clarity on it. Because, I mean, I have to imagine, I don't think I've ever seen a, a business stakeholder or a SME fully be able to perfectly articulate what the business need is on round one. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, here's this form. Oh, perfect. We have all the details we need. I don't need anything else. Maybe maybe once Synapse is in operation, that happens. But I, I've yet to see where perfectly. No, it's it's happen. iterative. <laughs> and that's the concept of agile learning. Right? right. And it's not just on the intake process. It's during the project prioritization process. You might have prioritized a project. It's okay to change your mind to reprioritize something else that might have come up earlier, right? It's like managing a roadmap when building products. It's the, the same kind of concept. And and so every single part should, uh, along the process, should uh, en enable or allow for iteration. And okay. so that, so, you know, communication, collaboration, iteration is extremely important. That saves time because yeah. if you don't do that, you're waterfalling this whole thing, taking a waterfall approach. You need to take this agile approach so you can make corrections along the way because you learn too fast. Yeah. So if you're not iterating, you're not learning, you're not applying the learning in real time. And you're actually, by the time you realize um, that there's changes need to be made, you'll be almost done the project and I have to go all the way back. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's again, just creating massive, massive inefficiency throughout. So one yeah. question I have, cause I, there's a fair amount of people that you know tune in and listen, how are organizations or independents? I'm just curious, how are they implementing this? Right. And the reason I ask that is from a, right. If you have a nice central L and D organization, it makes it makes pretty clear sense in terms of how this would, but are you having, you know, how are there, are there organizations you're working with where maybe L and D is pretty fragmented? How do you manage that from a license standpoint? Yeah. And I'm also curious, let's say you're independent or maybe you run a small business. Is this something that you can use? Is it possible to use that like outside of necessarily like one enterprise? For sure. I mean, doubling capacity is doubling capacity. It doesn't matter if you're one person or 10 people. Um, okay. The licensing is the same for one user uh, versus larger 
organizations, we price similar to an authoring tool, right? Okay. So except uh, requesters get free software and content contributors are also free and collaborators and projects are free. So, you know, think of the SMEs who just pop in and out or, or whatnot. So people who are active users are using this to manage their work. That's how we charge. And it's, it's not very expensive. It's about uh, $1,500 for the year. Um, okay in flexible payments, et cetera. So, um, but the use cases we're seeing are incredible. So the strong ROI metrics, um, but that, so, so any size team, um, you know, uh, efficiency gain one person versus 10, that is uh, kind of irrelevant. And then from a centralized to decentralized, it's flexible because it's per user. Um, you can have different, instance of Synapse for the different teams, or you can have yeah. different boards for different teams. So all the core data in the back end is still being centralized while people are working decentralized. Okay. Got it. Well, cause that's, I mean, I'm just thinking in large, big global organizations where you may have tons of teams all over the place doing different things, you have the flexibility to say, well, is there a big enough justification to have a separate instance or could we all be on one instance? So we have greater visibility. Cause I can tell you just from my personal experience, that's where things can get really messy, where it's like, well, we've got L&D people all over kind of solving the same problems, but we have no visibility into it. So we may actually be trying to solve the same problem eight times <laughs> with eight different groups of people doing it. And we just don't even know what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, and again, it's about taking the step-by-step -step approach. Um, Not trying to we'll, the whole elephant and step Yeah, we, and we'll map that out with clients. We have a client success team that does, something that's great is clients of ours never have to train their users. We do that for them. It's built into that pricing. Okay. Um, and there's live chat support built in the application. So at any time you can connect with your extended member of your of the team, which is, you know, the client success person who, who we assign to work with you. And they'll do scrums. They'll help you come up with the implementation plan. They'll help you implement. They'll train the people. Um, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. So we're seeing really you know, this, this doesn't have to be as hard as one might think. It's, yeah. uh, um, I think and, sometimes the idea of it is harder than the actual action of it. I think it's easy to get wrapped up in all of that. And again, like we said, you end up in analysis paralysis because you start overthinking, well, what about this? What about this? Versus just saying, why don't you just take the first step and then move yeah. forward? Just start with intake, do that for a few months, get people used to it. And then you say, oh, now we're going to start managing the projects here. Um, you start inviting them in. They start coming in, seeing how easy it is. And then you start designing the content. Before you know it, you've digitized that process, right? So, um, yeah, step by step, not getting analysis paralysis, uh, freaking out over it. And you'll notice the performance gains immediately on the areas that you're starting to transform. Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, this is, it's been fantastic. And I really appreciate, you know, I, it was a while ago when we first chatted about, about getting on the show. So I'm glad we've actually, finally, the day has come and we've been able to talk about it because I think it is an extremely important topic. And now of all times, probably at an all time high of importance in terms of being able to, I hate the phrase, do more with less, but it's about gaining efficiency that you, so that you're able to optimize your effort. It's not about just cramming more things through the funnel. It's about saying, let's strip out the waste so that we can use our energy on the best activities. Exactly. So this has been 
This has been awesome, Ryan, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, everybody's very excited about the Resource Center, so I will make sure to include that uh, and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation to hear how you continue helping organizations with this and how the product evolves, because I'm sure you've been on this journey for a bit and continue to learn more about, you know, how how to optimize it. Yeah, learn every day and uh, excited about it. Uh, we're, we have a responsibility now, so it's... Uh... Um, and we'd love to innovate with everybody in the industry to, to really solve this properly. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. Thanks, everybody who's been tuning in. Hopefully, we got your questions answered. Uh, if you have any other ones, post them in the comments, and I'll tag Ryan, and we'll, we'll kind of try and answer any of those. But uh, have a fantastic rest of your Friday and a wonderful weekend. Bye, everybody.